Happy 2023. This is Mike and this is Driving Theology. I am off to work this very chilly but sunny morning. Uh, so how, is, how have your uh, holidays been and whatnot? Uh, my family ended up getting pretty sick during the uh, holidays. I'm gonna have to do something. I'm out of wiper water. I'm gonna squirt some water on my windshield and try and wash it a little bit. Actually worked really well. It's nice to have a tiny car. Yeah, so we uh, had a great Christmas. It was fun. Had a lot of surprising presents that we received and gave to one another um, but then by New Year's we were pretty much all sick so on New Year's Eve uh, as we were getting ready for to have some friends over I was feeling kind of squirrely not great on New Year's Eve and by the time midnight rolled around I was just ready for the bed I didn't have fever or anything like that but you know, you just feel off sometimes. And by the morning, I did have fever, and I had stayed in bed pretty much three days, more or less. The fever broke after probably 48 hours, or a little longer than 48 hours. Uh, but I was in bed quite a bit, and uh, it was horrible. It was cold. Uh, and then the worst part about it is my uh, wife, Tomoko, and then my father-in-law, both came down with it as well, whatever it is. And so they were sick even after that. And usually, Tomoko's dad, we send him to a nursing home for um, a good part of the week. He goes away, so it's not a permanent thing. But uh, but because he was sick, he was unable to go. And so he had to stay in the house, and so the sick people had to take care of the sick. And that was kind of not great. Not great at all. But we've all made it through, and I still have some residual congestion. A little bit. My wife as well, I think. Just once in a while we have a very productive cough. I'll try to spare you that today. Uh, but nonetheless, we are back to work this week, and uh, I'm working some extra hours now because our uh, teacher, Bethany, and, and her husband, Johnny, are having twins, and so... They have had to uh, stop working early because of the complications that can arise from delivering twins. And so they are due sometime in March. And so we are taking over. Her husband and me and my wife, Tomoko, we're all kind of sharing classes here and there uh, so that she can stay home and rest and get ready to bring in two daughters to the world. Uh, so yeah, got a few new classes this week, but it's no big deal. I don't have a really busy schedule anyway. Uh, today I do. Uh, <clears throat> Wednesdays are always full. So I'm off to my usual uh, Wednesday class, day of classes. 
Um, so I've got five or about five hours of teaching today that I got to do. Um, but it's all good. It's all good. I love the kids. The kids make me happy. Give me energy. Uh. Yeah, so started back to college yesterday as well, and just, you know, trying to get this year rolling after, you know, being out almost a week, basically, we rested, because we had time off anyway, so we got sick during our time off, which is both good and bad, it means we didn't miss any work, uh, but we also got behind on housework and yard work and all kinds of stuff that we had to eventually make up for, uh, so yeah, just trying to get going into this new year. Uh, one thing my wife and I are doing is we are rereading the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, uh, which is a, a self-help self-help book. Um, but it's a good one. It 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 kind of has uh, some opposite qualities to other books. Uh, you know, you remember the saying, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Well, that's the, that's the basis and the foundation of some self-help books. Uh, but actually, James says, no, it's the small stuff that is most important. You know, it's the, it's the, the small details, the small things, the, the incremental improvements you make in your life that will have lasting um, benefits for you. Uh, and I am an incredibly unorganized person, <laughs> very unorganized, um, messy. I let I let stuff pile up. Um, yeah, in some ways, I guess, kind of the typical uh, or the stereotypical picture of an, an artist in a lot of ways. Uh, and that's just, yeah, how I am. I have a really hard time with the details. Um, unless it has to do with music. Now, if it has to do with music, I'm all about the details. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, Rereading re that book. And if you haven't read it, uh, maybe find some uh, videos on it. It's actually a really cool method. Um, but one of the things it talks about is, you know, changing, change, making incremental positive changes to your life uh, here and there, especially in the early chapters. And how incremental changes, if you make enough of them, will have a, a large net effect on the quality of, of your life or, or whatever you're going for, right? Um, <clears throat> incremental changes. Now the Bible kind of bears this out. Jesus talks about if, you know, unless you're faithful in little, you will not be faithful in much. Uh, which we all understand, I think, instinctively. Um, seems to be true. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, just trying to get back into that book and there's quite a, few, quite a few other things I've been wanting to read. One of them is um, uh, <clears throat> Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, which I've been listening to, to on audiobook a bit. Now I've kind of put that down uh, in favor of James Clear's book. Um, yeah, I got a lot of 
things coming up in my life, a lot of details I need to uh, pay attention to. I've got several ducks I need to get in order. Uh, I've got a trip coming up to, uh, well, not just that. First of all, I've got finals uh, coming up for my college classes in the next couple of weeks. Final tests, final grades. Uh, and then after that, I go to New York uh, for a chorus trip. Uh, performing at Carnegie Hall uh, for the second time and there's quite a few details I need to shore up there as well uh, and then from there I'll come back and start the new school year and there's plenty of stuff that I have to do to get ready for the new school year and in between all of that in the middle of all of this I also have uh, a day of lectures I have to do at Iraq University uh, and basically just learning all the music for this concert. I need to get that done. Uh, and I've also been pushing myself to uh, learn more jazz standards. Uh, so I'm kind of in the middle of that as well, always thinking about that. At least I haven't been able to sing because of my, my sickness, really, but it's still always there. always there <clears throat> and then my daughter is getting married in July in Hawaii my oldest daughter Anna uh, and I'm supposed to perform their wedding ceremony and there's lots of details for that that I need to get going on make sure I'll be able to do that part uh, so anyway yeah it would be better if I were better uh, at the small stuff, uh, at the details, at least for the uh, immediate upcoming future. Um, yeah, so that's where I am. Um, theologically speaking, maybe a lot of it's because of my illness. I really haven't been thinking of much lately aside from reading different people that I follow on on Facebook different theological things that come up from time to time uh, one of them recently has been the role the roles of the role of women right the acceptable roles of women uh, in the church <clears throat> and this has been a historical uh, challenge and and controversy in in the institutional church for forever, I suppose. Uh, and there is one guy that I found named Bobby Valentine who has been uh, kind of pushing the envelope on this. And as a conservative Church of Christ member, uh, he really puts himself in harm's way uh, in many ways uh, just by doing that, just by questioning. Um, and that's because churches of Christ traditionally have uh, held out that women's roles, uh, acceptable women's roles, are only in the home and uh, in the education of children in the church and possibly in the serving of food and things like this. Uh, but never uh, as leaders of men, as teachers or preachers of men, um, 
they've never been allowed to hold those roles. I say never because it's kind of changing. I mean, even a woman praying publicly in prayer with a a Christian man present has been frowned upon. Right? They would always defer to the Christian man. And of course, this is part of the, you know, what they call the, the patriarchy, right? The, the, the system that exists in, in many societies around the world, uh, which is dominated by males in the highest echelons of leadership. Uh, and and it, it is a prevalent philosophy in all kinds of ways, right? Men are expected to do certain things and women are not expected to do certain things. And I think every culture more or less has this tradition. But modern, is it sociology? I'm not even sure what we call this, but the modern ideas are that women are completely capable of doing everything that a man can do, uh, especially when it comes to leadership. Uh, and that that there, there is no difference in ability with whether women can lead as well as men. Uh, and, and I have to say, as a rule, I agree. Now, because the patriarchy has existed for so long, uh, I have a feeling that women are, just by traditions, held out of uh, roles. In other words, they don't possibly in some cultures they don't have the ambition that men have to, to take those leadership spots. But that's just because of, to me, that's because of programming, right? That's because that that's how it's always been. And so women are encouraged from, you know, from birth basically to, to take up certain kinds of roles and, and men are encouraged to do other kinds of roles. Um, so it's going to take a while for us to get out of this. There's a lot of culture uh, that's going to continually make this true. The question is, how much of it is nature and how much of it is nurture? Right? That's always the question. Uh, is it because women and men at a young age are treated a certain way that they uh, fit into these stereotypes? Or are these stereotypes biologically predetermined? Are men biologically predetermined to be leaders and women not? Uh, and people argue both sides of that. If you can believe it. But I know from experience... Sorry, I'm just taking a little water here. I know from experience that there are women who without a doubt, have leadership qualities who are, dare I say, natural-born leaders. <clears throat> and there are men who are leaders who really shouldn't be. They don't have the, the tack or the talent, uh, the, the, the tack or the talent, the knack or the talent. <laughs> uh, I guess I should raise my hand there. Uh, they have neither the knack or the talent for leadership. And yet, because they're men, they're allowed to be leaders. Uh, and everybody knows that, you know, if you 
throw somebody into leadership who isn't who isn't uh, prepared to be a leader, uh, who who doesn't have uh, talent or ability or training, uh, they can do a lot of damage. And that has been the history of the church, right? Men who should not have been leaders uh, were allowed to rule badly churches and countries and empires and all kinds of things simply because they were born a male. Uh, And so why wouldn't we want a larger pool from which to draw our leaders from? Why wouldn't we want more applicants so that we can be sure and get the best one? The easiest way to do that is to be sure that women are given an equal uh, equal vote at the table, right? An equal, equal, equal opportunity uh, to become a leader. Uh, now, Jordan Peterson probably disagrees with a lot of the things I just said. Um, he would probably say that the physical aspects of a male's anatomy uh, better equip him for leadership for certain kinds of things, this and that. You know, and whatever. Fine. If if what we are if what we are after is some kind of a violent endeavor, sure, perhaps uh, it may be better to have a violent man at the helm. Um, and I don't doubt that men are more prone to certain types of violence than women. Uh, the problem is that's not the world anybody really wants to live in, right? That's the world we do live in. But, uh, violent men are destroying uh, the world, right? If left to their um, if left to their violent ways, they will destroy the world and destroy lots of people in the process. Uh, and so why wouldn't we want a greater number of people available to be chosen for leaders, right? It just it, it gives us a much better chance of getting a great leader if we have more people in the application process, right? It's the case for, uh, you know, leadership roles in the school, in the workplace, in the home, <laughs> everywhere. Now, the thing is about church leadership that if, if you are a member of a certain type or certain size of church, that kind of hierarchical leadership may be necessary. But uh, if you, like me, are in more of more small personal gatherings, uh, which are all relationship-based, titles really have, there's really no need to have a title, right? There's no need to label one another is this or that or the other Um, because we just do things in in close relationship and proximity and the the natural leadership abilities of everyone involved just kind of comes out Um, I think that's just natural and normal right that's 
that's what happens. You throw a lot of, you know, you throw, say, 10 people into a room and give them a task to do, uh, a leadership structure will emerge. It may or may not have titles, uh, but it will certainly be functional and it will be based on the abilities of the people involved. And then if you give a time constraint, for example, okay, here's, here's this puzzle. You guys have to build this puzzle in one hour. Now you're going to see even greater and quicker aligning of, of hierarchical leadership structures, right? People will volunteer for this and they will command people to do this and you will get the leaders uh, come to the forefront fairly quickly for that task. Now, depending on the task, different people may be better leaders depending on their area of expertise, okay? Um, it really depends on what you need to do and that will determine uh, oftentimes who is going to be the leader in the group. Um, for example, if I've, I'm ever in a, in a group of people and our task becomes something about music, usually I become the leader. Uh, now, if I were in a group and my friend Cam was there and I and it had to do with building with wood, Cam would be the leader. That's just what he's good at. Right? That's what he knows. Uh, it came down to, uh, you know, figuring out something about English grammar. My wife would be the leader, no question. Uh, and so on and so forth, right? There are other people that do have leadership abilities that transcend uh, areas of expertise. You know, just organizational leadership qualities. No matter what the task is, they have the ability to help organize people in an efficient manner. Uh, other people are very caring and they can take care of the people involved in these endeavors uh, in ways that maybe others would not be able to. So there are all kinds of things involved in all of this. Um, uh, but leadership just is. It's not, it's not something that you can ever um, get rid of. It's just a natural thing that happens when people, a group of people are faced with the task. Now, if you're working alone, that's different. You know, it's all about you, and you can do uh, whatever you want, however you want. But when it's a group of people, they have a there is a expected uh, a reasonable expectation of cooperation, right? And if we don't work together, we won't be able to complete the task, right? Depending on what the task is, obviously. <coughs> Uh, and in that group, you know, if you have 10 people, uh, you may have some slackers, people that really aren't interested in doing the task at all. Uh, they're more interested in how everybody's feeling and, and uh, maybe interested in questioning the task. Why do we have to do this task? You know, why is this task even important? Is this task beneficial to us or to somebody else? You know, uh, and those are... <laughs> Those are types of people too, right? Those are people we need in life that help us uh, uh, avoid becoming oppressed unnecessarily. Right? You question authority. That's also one of the most important leadership positions. People who question leadership itself. 
uh, very important. And there have many, been many famous people like that down through the down through the years, starting with uh, people like uh, Nehemiah in the Old Testament, Jesus, and Gandhi, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, and on and on. Right, people whose job it is to, or whose calling it is to question authority uh, and to help people avoid oppression if possible, but at least call out oppression and accuse it for what it is. Uh, so when Bobby brought this idea up that, you know, what Paul talks about in the New Testament is not what people think it is, and he also brings up many instances in the Old Testament where women were allowed to be leaders uh, and were called on to lead Deborah, Esther, Hulda, uh, even Mary, I suppose you could throw in there. <clears throat> uh, people just get so offended. They cannot imagine a church where women are allowed to lead or preach or teach. It just, it is complete, completely a foreign idea to them. And it was to me as well. <laughs> back in the day, and I'm sure there's still uh, some residual stuff there, but at least philosophically speaking, I cannot see any reason why a woman cannot fulfill any role that's needed in a church if she's the best person for the job. But there are people that still fight that tooth and nail. Uh, and it's actually crazy. It's actually crazy. Um, and a lot of these people are my family members, and I love them dearly. But um, once you get stuck uh, in an idea like that, um, it really is oftentimes difficult to to get out of it. It's such a black hole, and it's been held together uh, the whole time. Um, by uh, bad thinking, bad theology, bad philosophy. Uh, and so what's a little bit more to keep it, you know, to, to keep it going? <laughs> what's a little bit of, bit more of bad, bad theology? And so it's been always founded on bad theology from the beginning. <laughs> so people just keep throwing bad ideas out there like well that was the Old Testament but this is the New Testament and, you know God did something in a certain way that time but that has nothing to do with you know what God is doing today in the era of the New Covenant for example uh, and they completely ignore and and uh, what is that word uh they just ignore different things even in the New Testament uh, that talk about um, women doing certain kinds of things that we now consider to be bad. You know, there, there is a woman who's named an apostle, for example, uh, which not only is it more than the original 13 apostles, if you include Paul, but it's a woman. 
and there are other people named as apostles. Well, they can't deal with that. They can't, it just does not compute. There must be something else wrong. We're reading it wrong. We're mistranslating it. Blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm not the kind of person any longer who believes that the words of Scripture is where we should look to, to make rules, right? To find rules, to find ways of being in the world uh, that are acceptable to God. Scripture is an example of how people understood God uh, and, and how they lived their lives in that knowledge. <laughs> But I think Scripture is not the right place uh, for rulemaking. Uh, scripture can can help us, but I think more importantly than just the words of Scripture is the character of of our Creator, and that character is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and He only imposed one rule, and that is love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. That's the rule that he imposed. And how are we doing that when we're denying women who have natural ability to lead? To lead. We're denying them the places of honor. Um, now again, if you're in an institutional church, this is a big deal. Uh, it's just not anything we think about in house church. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not a huge thing. Uh, and that's just because we have a different way of being we have a different way of trying to be church uh, and I admit right now that we're not really being church in any way right now much because of uh, the decentralization that, that COVID had on our gatherings uh, decentralization effect I guess that COVID had on our gathering, so there's not a lot of that going on anyway. Uh, but even so, even so, um, if you choose a certain type, a certain way to be church in the world, there may be baggage that comes with that. And one of those, one of those baggage, uh, one of the bags, I guess I should say. Uh, is hierarchical leadership, and I don't, I don't think hierarchical leadership is the best way to be in the world, whether it's uh, male or female. But if you are going to be in a large congregation who own property and pay salaries and have tax-exempt status and all of those things, there's going to have to be leadership uh, structure. Right? There's going to have to be going to have to be a hierarchy of some some kind in place to maintain that. It's just not something that I deal with much anymore. Uh, so, yeah, the church needs to move past this archaic idea of women not being qualified or equipped to be leaders. It's something that really needs to to go away. Um, the best people should be considered for the job, right? The best people, the people who can do 
the most for the most. Um, that's what we need, whether it's in education or business, what have you. Whoever is the best leader is going to take care of the people uh, in their employ the best or in their care or in their diocese or whatever you want to call it. That's who should be there. Not somebody who was simply born with a penis. <laughs> so, yeah, I know this is a weird uh, New Year's uh, first podcast of the new year, but that's all I got this morning. Um, uh, I just like to get my body better, hopefully soon, so I can be 100% and uh, get going on this year. So, yeah, pray for my health. I would love that. Uh, and that I can get more organized in this new year and be less of a burden on the people who are organized. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.